Harvest family from the Allworths. The scripture reading for today is Romans 5, 12 through 17. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those sinning, those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you, Tom and Nikki. Well, welcome Harvest Decatur. Let me encourage you wherever you are right now to take your Bible with me and turn to Romans chapter 5 verses 12 to 17. The passage that was just read, Romans chapter 5 verses 12 to 17. And also you should take your sermon notes too and have those handy as we work through this passage, whether in print copy or digitally. Sometimes it's helpful to write things out as we go. And as you're gathering those materials, let me just share with you some Shakespeare. Can I do that this morning? Do you remember the play Macbeth? Do you remember that from high school? There's a famous line in that play that goes like this. See if you remember this. Each new morn, new widows howl, new orphans cry, new sorrows strike heaven on the face. Does that sound familiar? Do you remember that? Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it means that suffering is inevitable. Life is hard. Death is coming. Suffering is going to touch all of us. Life is full of sorrow. Each new morning, new widows howl, new orphans cry, new sorrows strike heaven on the face. There's a truth in that as Shakespeare recorded it. And you got to ask the question, why is that the case? In other words, why is our world like that? Why do we have things like infant mortality and natural diseases and natural calamities? Well, the answer to that biblically is Genesis 3. The answer is that it's our own fault. Adam and Eve, our parents, sinned in the Garden of Eden and brought down an avalanche of consequences on us. So we Humanity at large brought this on ourselves through our sin. And to that, you might say, well, that stinks, Pastor Tony. Thanks a lot. I'm already depressed during this pandemic. You're making my problem worse. Well, yeah, in, in a sense, sorry, Christianity's perspective on our world is a bit depressing. It, I mean, it's real. It's, it's, it's worse, I would say, than other religions of the world. Worse than Buddhism. Buddhism just says that suffering in our world is a mirage. It's not real. Christianity is worse than that. Christianity is worse than Hinduism. It's worse than Judaism in that way. It's worse than modern day secularism. 
that thinks that we can make our situation better and better and better if we just try hard enough. Christianity is more real about our suffering than those religions, I would say. And all of this is detailed in Romans 5. Islam might be the only religion that views the state of our world worse than we do as Christians. But here's the thing, okay? Christianity has something better to offer than those religions. We have hope. We have a second Adam, a true and better Adam in Romans 5. A second Adam, you might ask? A second Adam? Who's that? Maybe some of you... Maybe some of you are asking that question. Maybe some of you have seen also this meme on Facebook where Strider says to Pippin, in Adam all die. And Pippin responds, yes. But what about second Adam? That's a good question. What about second Adam? Do you know who the second Adam is in Romans 5? Let me just give you a hint. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. In Christianity, we have a true and better Adam who comes to remedy our sinfulness and our fallenness. As Christians, we see the world as it truly is, fallen by sin, but we see the remedy. And the remedy is truly beautiful. So here we go, Harvest Decatur. The message today is entitled, Jesus Makes All Things Better. Jesus Makes All Things Better. And I want to give you today four better than statements from this text. Write them down. The first thing that we see in Romans 5, 12 through 17 is that Jesus is better than Adam. Jesus is better than Adam. No offense to Adam Godfrey or Adam Wingard or even Adam Levine if you're watching this. I'm not talking about any of those Adams with this first point. I'm talking about the first Adam, our forefather who failed us in the Garden of Eden. That's who Paul makes reference to in Romans 5. And by the way, don't be too hard on Adam. We would have done likewise if we were in that garden. In fact, that word Adam in Hebrew can be used as a proper name. Adam, it can also be used to describe all of humanity. It, the word comes from this, Adam comes from this Hebrew word Adamah, which means ground or earth. But it can be used collectively to describe humanity at large. We are all Adam. We are all humans. So this first point could be Jesus is better than Tony. Jesus is better than Sonia. Jesus is better than Mike and Shelley Vernon and George and Daria Bennett. Jesus is better than all of us. That's, there's no great shocker there. I know you guys have come to count on me for these, these blinding flashes of the obvious. So there you go. Jesus is better than all of us. And Paul says this in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Why is there death, Pastor Tony? Why is there so much sin in our world, Pastor Tony? Why do I have sin in my heart and sin in my life? I try so hard not to sin. I can't stop it. Not completely. I try so hard not to age and not to die. But eventually, I can't stop that either. Well, here's why. Romans 5, verse 12, based on the fall in Genesis 3, death spread to all men and all sin. Some of you savvy thinkers and budding theologians out there will ask, okay, Pastor Tony, you tell us that we're made in God's image. You said that before, the Imago Dei. If we're made in God's image, if we're image bearers, then 
Why are we so unlike God sometimes? Why do we kill each other? Why do we hurt each other? Why is every other comment on a YouTube post something foul and obnoxious? Well, here's the answer. We are, yes, made in God's image. Genesis 1 and 2. But Genesis 1 and 2 is followed by Genesis 3. So our Imago Day is now tainted by original sin. We have both of those inside of us. Look at verse 13. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. In other words, Paul's saying here that even before law, even before it was given by Moses, sin and death ruled the world. Was there sin in the world before Adam and Moses? Yes, there was. Was there death? Absolutely there was. Did Cain sin? Yep. Did Adam sin? Yep. Did Abraham sin? Did Jacob sin? Did Jacob's brother sin? Yep, 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 yep. Did they all die as a result of their sin? Yes, they did. Just look at the genealogies in the book of Genesis for more evidence on that. Adam lived such and such years and then he died. Seth lived such and such years and then he died. Lamech lived such and such years and then he died. Methuselah lived, oh wow, he lived 969 years. But oh no, then he died. Look at verse 14 in Romans 5. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. So maybe they didn't have the law yet to point out their sin. That's true. But there was still sin because they were the sons and, of da- sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, just like we are. And there was still death. And death reigned, says Paul. Death was king. In fact, this word reigned here in Greek, it's the word basaluo. And that verb is built on the Greek word for king, basalus. So the idea here is that death was king, death ruled. The Greek word here for death is the word thanatos. Thanatos sounds like thanos from the Marvel movies, right? I don't know if the Marvel writers drew from that Greek word for death or not. Those of you who are comic book aficionados may know the answer to that. Let me know if you know. Like Thanos wanted to rule the world and bring death to the world, Thanatos actually did rule the world as king. Look at verse 14. Yet death, yet death reigned, death was king from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. When Adam and Eve sinned in that garden, it's as if death moved its checker piece to the end of the board and said, King me! I'm in charge now. Adam brought that down on us. That's why sin and death have so much prominence in our world. Yet here's the good news. Here's what Paul wants to get to, because he's been emphasizing this all the way throughout the book of Romans. Look at the end of verse 14. Yes, Adam did something that brought profound consequences on our world and on our lives, but he was a type of the one to come who would bring Also, profound consequences on our world and our lives. Good consequences. Death reigned even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was was a type of the one who was to come. Who was the one to come? Do you know? Kids, just turn your parents right now and say, Jesus, it's Jesus. All of Tony's questions, it's Jesus. He's the second Adam. He's the last Adam. He's the true and better Adam. Adam was the type of the one to come. And what Paul's arguing here is that you are either on team Adam or you are on team Jesus. And if you don't choose team Jesus, you are by default on team Adam. You don't want to be on team Adam. 
More on that later. Some of you might be saying right now, okay, Pastor Tony, Jesus is better than Adam. All right, I got it. Can you tell me more about that? Can you tell me more about how Jesus is better? Can you tell me more about how Adam was a type of the second Adam to come, Jesus? Yes, I can. But first, write this down as number two in your notes. Grace is better than sin. Grace is better than sin. Thank you, Pastor Tony. Another blinding flash of the obvious. Yeah, yeah, I know. The main things are the plain things, and the plain things are the main things. I just want to be clear this morning that life with Jesus is better than life without Jesus. Paul says this in verse 15. He says, but the free gift is not like the trespass. Free gift. What's he talking about there? Well, he's talking about the free gift of grace. How is that not like the trespass? Well, let's see. Verse 15. But but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, what are we talking about there? That's a reference again to Adam, his sin. We all die because of Adam's trespass in the garden. We do. For if many died through one man's trespass, Paul says, much more have the grace of God and the free gift of grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. How about that, Harvesticator? There's some good news for you right there. We all die because of Adam's sin. All. But we can all live through the free gift of grace in Jesus Christ. Yay! Adam's sin brought death to us. All. But Christ's death brought life to us. Yay! Christ's death brought grace to us. Adam's sin took away our life. Jesus' Jesus's becoming sin for us brought us back to life. Are you with me? I could do this all day. Adam gives you death. Jesus gives you life. Adam brought you sin. Jesus took away your sin. The first Adam brought destruction to our world. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, brings salvation to this world. Grace is better than sin, people. Take that sin. Take it. Take that death. You don't get to rule over me anymore, thanks to Jesus and what he's done for us. John Calvin says it this way. Appreciate this. Christ is much more powerful to save than Adam was to destroy. Amen. Yeah, preach it, Calvin. Can I, can I just give you some advice this morning, church? Take the grace, receive the free gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ offers. Some of you might ask the question, okay, Tony, but, but wasn't Jesus human like we are human? Wasn't he subject to sin like we were? If you're asking that question, it's a good question. The answer is no. Jesus is not subject to sin like we were, like we are. And, and that, that's part of God's genius in the incarnation. Yes, Jesus was human, fully human in fact, still is fully human. But he wasn't tainted by original sin like we are. How is that possible? Well, the sin... Sin is passed down from the father. It's passed down from our original forefather, Adam. Well, Jesus didn't have a human father. He was born of a virgin. So he wasn't subject to original sin like the rest of us. The church father, Augustine, he says it this way. He says, Christ Jesus was born of a virgin so that he might come to us without any trace of sin, either committed or transmitted. Transmitted from the first Adam. Christ Jesus. 
circumvented that by the incarnation. What a marvel! Write this down as number three in your notes. Not only is grace better than sin, but also justification is better than condemnation. Justification is better than condemnation. Paul writes in verse 16, he says, And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Listen, folks, this is a really important theological point. All of us, I want you all to get this, okay? All of us are condemned by sin without Christ. All of us. And even before we sin, according to Paul, we are condemned by sin. Why? Because sin is in our DNA. It's inside of us. We inherited it from our Father. It's called the doctrine of original sin, and you've got to reckon with this. Not only do we have a sin nature, not only do we have a propensity to sin, even as babies, I probably don't have to work very hard to convince the moms out there that this is true of your children. Yes, little Junior has a sin nature. Did he get it from his dad? You, you know it and I know it, that he's got a sin nature, she's got a sin nature. G.K. Chesterton said in his book, Orthodoxy, he said this, he said, certain new theologians, liberal theologians, dispute original sin, which is the only part of Christian theology which can really be proved. <laughs> In the words of uh, Reinhold Niebuhr, the, the theologian, original sin is empirically verifiable. It's right there. It's right in front of us. The reality is that not only do we have the propensity to sin, we have inherited sin in our hearts that comes from Adam's sin. And that inherited sin condemns us. The doctrine I'm talking about here, it's original sin. And, and just to be clear, you know, some people think original sin is what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 3. Well, it started there. That's the origin of original sin. But orig original sin actually is that aspect of sin that trickles down to all of us. The theological term here might be new for some of y'all, so let me, let me just explain it a little bit further. Pastor J.D. Greer talks about this and says that a lot of people come to him asking questions about this term, what does it mean? And people in his circle actually think that original sin is like a sin that nobody has ever done before, like a truly original sin. And so he says this, it's like today I stole a Hershey bar and a Diet Mountain Dew at the store while thinking unkind thoughts about my ex-wife and smoking illegal weed at the same time. Nobody has ever done that exact combination before, so it's an original sin. Is that what we're talking about here? Is that what original sin is? Uh, no, 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 no. Just turn to your neighbor right now and say, uh, no. No, Christopher Yuan, he writes about this in his book, Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. And Yuan is a, by the way, he's a professor at Moody Bible Institute. He's got a great testimony, by the way. Uh, came out of a very sinful lifestyle, even served some time in prison for, um, for a crime he committed. Look it up sometime. You'll be really encouraged to hear his testimony. Here's what Yuan writes in his book. He says, many people confuse original sin with the first actual sin of Adam and Eve in the garden. But it's not the same. Rather, original sin is the result of that first sin, a consequence with extensive moral ramifications. Regrettably, 
Every human being is born with this sinful condition, he writes. Why is our world like the way that it is, Pastor Tony? Why the viruses? Why the panic? Why the political dissension? Why all the wars? Why all the pain? Why all the evil? Well, the answer is original sin. Why is my child like this, Pastor Tony? Is it his father's fault? Is it, is it my fault? Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of on both of you. We are all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. And your, your child needs Jesus, just like you need Jesus. Why am I like this, Pastor Tony? Why can't I perfect myself on my own? Well, because you have in, inherited sin from your forefather, Adam. That brought death into this world. And it will bring about your own death someday. It will, whether by COVID-19 or some other means. And without Jesus, you will receive eternal condemnation. Without justification, there is condemnation. Some of you might say, well, that's, that's not fair. That's not fair, Pastor Tony. Why should I suffer because of what Adam did? Well, my response to that is, are you sure that you would do differently than him if you had the chance? Are you sure? I mean, be honest. <laughs> you sure you would have done differently if you were in Adam's shoes in the Garden of Eden? I don't think so. I don't think I would have done differently. In his commentary on Romans, trying to explain this, Alan Johnson, he talks about going to the Netherlands in the 1970s to visit the University of Leiden. And this was in the 70s, this was right in the middle of the Vietnam conflict. And Johnson was met at the airport by this Dutch professor, one of his colleagues at the university. And on the van ride over to the university, this Dutch professor turned to him and asked, so tell me, why did you bomb Cambodia? And, and Johnson just kind of stammered like, uh, what? No, 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 that was Nixon. That was the American president. That wasn't me. Why would you ask me that question? In this Dutch person's mind, all Americans were held responsible politically and globally for the actions of the American president. And that's still the case, by the way, today. Any American who has traveled abroad has similar experiences and could probably tell you a story like that. I certainly have some stories of my own in that regard. Well, in a similar way, we as humans are morally responsible for what our leader, our federal head, Adam, did in the garden. We are guilty as a race because of what he did. And we feel the consequences of it. Augustine said this. He said, everyone, even little children have broken God's covenant. Not indeed in virtue of any personal action, but in virtue of mankind's common origin in that single ancestor in whom all have died. He says also, when a man is born, he is already born with death because he contracts sin from Adam. And this is, this, by the way, this is not a new doctrine. It's as old as Augustine. It's as old as the Apostle Paul. The Puritans, by the way, they used to teach their children the alphabet by saying, A, a is for Adam. In Adam's fall, we send all. That went right into the New England primer for teaching kids. That's how they grew up, learning this doctrinal truth. And still, some of you might say, that's not fair, Pastor Tony, that's not fair. Let me come, come at that another way. Trust me when I say this, you don't want what's fair. 
And here's the good news. Here's the good news as far as I'm concerned. If you can swallow this, if you can, and we all have to do that eventually, take some difficult thing that the Bible says by faith. If you can swallow that, you can get to the good stuff of Romans 5. Sometimes I know it's difficult to take by faith the truth of God's word. But if you can swallow the hard stuff, then you can get to the good stuff. You share in what brought Adam, what the first uh, Adam brought into this world. You share in that condemnation. But you can also share in what the second Adam brought into this world. Justification. He died for your sins. He declares you righteous before God. You are holy, unholy through Adam. You can be wholly redeemed in Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? That is good. Good news. John Dunn, John Dunn wrote this. Maybe you remember this from grade school. No man is an island unto himself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind and therefore never sin to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Whew, gives me chills. In other words, when someone dies, we all die. No man is an island unto himself. We all experience death and we all feel the pangs of death. This is part of our Adam solidarity. But Paul says that this Adam solidarity is trumped by our Christ solidarity. Isn't that good? And by the way, Paul makes reference to you in verse 16. Did you know that? Did you see it? Do you see yourself in that verse? Paul says, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. What was that one trespass? Adam's sin in the garden, right? But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Not one trespass, but many trespasses here. That's you, Christian. You and I have many, many trespasses. Even if we didn't inherit the sin of Adam, which we do, we have plenty of blood on our hands. We've got boatloads of trespasses ourselves. We've got oodles and oodles and oodles of sin to account for. If you don't believe me, just start, just start working your way through the Ten Commandments with a fine-tooth comb. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, that too. Check, check, check. Sin, sin, sin. Boy, I'm in real trouble here. You might say, that's depressing, Pastor Tony. That's depressing me. Well, maybe, maybe. But that's why Paul's argument here is so compelling. Your Adam solidarity, you are the child of Adam is what qualifies you for Christ's solidarity. Your solidarity with Adam brought you condemnation. Your solidarity with Christ brought you justification. It brought you salvation. Look again at verse 16. The free gift of grace following many trespasses, your trespasses and my trespasses, brought justification. We are saved by Christ's blood despite our oodles and oodles of trespasses. That's good, Harvest Decatur. That is good. That's why we worship him so fervently. That's why we gather even virtually here on Facebook Live or at the church website and, and watch this video and worship Christ even in the inconvenience of what we're dealing with. Even with coronavirus ravaging our country. Jesus has done this for us and so we worship him. We worship him. And that leads us to the final better than statement. If you don't get this, then you don't get the gospel. Jesus is better than Adam. Grace is better than sin. Justification is better than condemnation. 
And finally, life is better than death. What do you mean by that, Pastor Tony? Well, let me be clear. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all may be made alive. And then Paul talks for the next 30 plus verses in 1 Corinthians about our new bodies and our new life in Christ. It's fantastic. 1 Corinthians 15, look it up sometime. Paul says something similar here in Romans 5, 17. He says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. There's death reigning again. Thanatos is on the throne. Thanatos is king. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign. Wait a second. Reign? Who's reigning here? Who's reigning here? Do you know? That verb is actually plural. What plural group of people are reigning here? Hmm, that's intriguing. What is going on here? Look at the rest of the verse. In life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Let me read this passage again because I I want you to get this. This is so important. Paul says, verse 17, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So according to this, there are some people who reign in life. There are some people, according to this, who are destined to be kings and queens. They are destined to reign with Jesus. To that, you might say, give me some of that, Pastor Tony. How do I get a piece of that? Forget this COVID-19 stuff being cooped up in my house like a bird in a cage. I want to reign with Jesus. When does that happen? Well, here's the answer. Are you ready? You probably aren't going to like this answer. So brace yourself. This word reign here in verse 17, basaluo, it's in the future tense. Death reigns now, so you will die unless Christ returns before you die. And then for eternity, you will reign as you experience eternal life through the one man, Jesus Christ. You will reign for eternity in the presence of Jesus with what we call everlasting life. That's what awaits you. That's what's coming down the pike for you after all this business with sin and death and a fallen world gets resolved by King Jesus. Right now, though, you have to suffer. Paul says later in Romans 8, 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Amen. Peter said, But rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's sufferings right now as death's reigning, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. You might say, I want that now, Pastor Tony. I want it now. I want to reign now. I want that glory now. Well, patience, young grasshopper. Okay? Delayed gratification. It'll come. We've got work to do right now. It's not time for us to reign with Christ. There are other people in this world who are stuck in condemnation, not justification. And God has tasked us with the job of sharing the gospel with them. I've said this before, maybe it bears repeating. There's one beautiful thing that you get to do right now on earth that you won't get to do in eternity. And that's lead someone to Christ. 
Once you're dead and gone, your opportunities for evangelism are over. One good part of being in this world now, instead of taking the first exit ramp out of here, is that we get to share Christ now and lead someone to eternity. Don't miss that opportunity. Take, take advantage of this while you still can. I heard a pastor say this last week, that if God really told us everything that we'll get to experience in heaven, if he opened up about it more in the Bible, about how breathtakingly amazing it's going to be, then we would all be chomping at the bit to get out of this world as fast as we could. Give me COVID-19. I got to get out of here fast. But God in his wisdom has held back the best parts of eternity from us. Even if he did share it with us, we couldn't comprehend it. Not now. But it's going to be amazing. And I can't wait to reign with Jesus for eternity. But it's not time yet. In the meantime, we've got work to do. It's not time yet. Jesus makes all things better, folks. Do you believe it? He makes all things better. Jesus is better than Adam. Grace is better than sin. Justification is better than condemnation. And then finally, life is better than death. Life is better than death. Let me close with this and then we can sing together. I'm anxious to sing. I've been watching on ESPN a documentary about the Chicago Bulls. It's called The Last Dance. It's, it's fascinating stuff, actually. It's taken me back to my younger days, you know, in the late 1900s, as my son likes to say. And, and here's what I remember about the Bulls, okay? Can I say this? I know I live in Illinois now, but I... I hated the Bulls as a kid. Can I say that? I mean, it's, they were so dominant as a team. That's why I didn't like them. I was, a, I was a San Antonio Spurs fan, and we couldn't even sniff the NBA Finals back then. But the Bulls were winning every year. I should say now that the Spurs have five championships. So, But in the late 90s, it wasn't so good for us. Another reason I didn't like the Bulls, and this is coming back to my mind as I'm watching this documentary, is that... Everybody rooted for the Bulls. Everybody jumped on the bandwagon for Michael Jordan and his team because they wanted to win. I get it. I get it. Everybody wants to be a winner. Nobody wants to root for a loser. So everybody was a Bulls fan. Listen, here's my point. In the cosmic game of life, Paul tells us that there are two teams. There's Team Adam and then there's Team Jesus. Adam brought you sin, judgment, and death. Team Jesus is going to bring you give the gift of grace, redemption, justification, eternal life. What's it going to be? Which team do you want to be on? Those are your two options. And by the way, if you don't choose a team, by default, you're on Team Adam. And, and here's a kicker too, by the way. Even Team Adam, Adam, Adam's not on that team. He's actually on Team Jesus. His faith in the coming Messiah puts him on Team Jesus. And so if you play for Team Adam, you don't even have a team captain. Some of you might say, well, how do I do that, Pastor Tony? How do I move from Team Adam to Team Jesus? Well, it's really quite simple. The Bible speaks about repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. You turn from your sin. You acknowledge before a holy God, I'm a sinner I inherited this sin, but even without inheriting sin, I'm a sinner. 
I do enough sin on my own to merit my own judgment. But I believe that Jesus Christ came into this world, died for me, the new Adam, the perfect Adam, the perfect human being suffered for me to remove my sin. I believe his death remove my sins. I believe his resurrection from the dead is the first fruits of my own resurrection. I believe repentance and faith. That's how you move from team Adam to team Jesus. I don't know where you are right now. If you are already on team Jesus, then we're about to worship. We're about to sing a song about how Jesus is better than all this. And I invite you to sing. If you're not, a part of Team Jesus. Now's the time. Now's the time. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Do that now, even as I close in prayer. Lord, thank you for your truth from Romans 5. Thank you for coming and being our new Adam. A true and better Adam dying for us, taking away our sin, and giving us new life. We are proud to be on your team, Lord, and we're ready. We're ready to reign for eternity with you in accordance with what Romans 5.17 says. We're ready for that. Come, Lord Jesus. But Lord, while we wait on that, help us to represent you well. God, help us to do that thing that we can only do now. We can't do in eternity. And let's share our faith with others. God, give us confidence and give us courage to do that in our day. We pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.